ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Relationship. One, being sure of the relationship you're in, and two, like, sure, let's have an open conversation about it. We have Wani. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hi, I'm here. Yes. Well, it'll, it'll always be the two of us, so. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, it's... Did I say that it's been a couple of weeks? No. No. Okay, but yes. It has. But it has been a couple of weeks since our last episode, and things have changed a little bit. Uh, we got some better equipment, for starters. I got a little bit better at editing podcasts. Yeah, you're a whiz now. Yeah. We got quite a doozy to talk about today. But before that, let's recap on our last episode and what has happened since then. So our last episode was cross-cultural relationships. Mm -hmm. And in that same topic, we watched a show recently. Why don't you tell the story? Okay. So the last episode, we referred a lot to 90 Day Fiancé. Because that was the most um, current show, I guess. Or maybe it wasn't the most current, but like the most talked about cross-cultural reality show. Mm -hmm. And now uh, Netflix has graced us with another very popular show called Indian Matchmaking. If I'm not Indian wrong. Matchmaking, yeah. yeah. So it's a reality show also, which um, features several um, single women and men and how their family plays a very critical role in them partnering up with someone. And obviously there is a mediator or a matchmaker in this case. And all of them happen to be like Indian. And we know that their culture is very recognized for matchmaking when it comes to pairing two people together. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously these are not just Indians who exclusively live in India. So mm. these are Indians who also have, you know, their families and Generations before them have migrated overseas. So they feature families in India as well as the US. Yeah, I think only those two countries, I think, for season one that they've been featured. So there's a lot of uh, cross-cultural upbringing. So some of them were born and raised in the US, but obviously they have Indian families or maybe their grandparents have migrated there in the earlier days. So obviously it's nature versus nurture mm -hmm. and they have a different sense of belonging than maybe their how do you say deep rooted Indian counterparts <laughs> yeah and the and the Indians that they feature on the show that that's in the states are not just in one city they're like all over yeah it's like Austin Texas there was one girl Nadia was in New York yeah I think yeah. so so I think that really ties into what we spoke about in the last episode with cross-cultural relationships not just that you both are from different cultures or religions or races, but when you are a particular culture and or race or religion, but you grew up in a completely different environment than your say your ancestors did or even your parents did, so that plays a big role in like how you see the world, and that can create a conflict in itself. So some of these individuals who were raised abroad mm -hmm. um, still have that sense of rootedness in their culture and they want to marry someone who is you know truly an indian person right um but they struggle because obviously not a lot not a lot of people would i guess like are in line with their ideals right yeah so that also ties i was telling zahir i think i think it was last night mm -hmm. like it was and i made a little like post about it on my insta stories <laughs> when i couldn't sleep 
like it was something that I struggled with growing up as well in my uh, like early 20s. So for those of you who aren't familiar with my upbringing, oh, I don't know if I've actually mentioned it before. Like I, my parents divorced when I was very young um, and they're both Javanese and then my mom remarried a Swedish guy. So I was essentially raised in a household that had a very strong European presence. But uh, over here, I guess, it's very hard to explain because over here, you're, whether you're Javanese, whether you're Bonanese or any other thing or culture that's similar to Malay, you're essentially just whittled down to Malay. So we had a very strong Malay and European presence in the family, but we had a very Western ideals growing up like me and my sister were raised that way right so when i went out to into the world into school with and socializing you know i obviously presented myself a very different in a very different manner than say a very traditional malay person Mm. so that got uh, was a, a conflict in itself because a lot of people would call me fake they would say i'm pretending to be someone i'm not that I'm not proud of my culture, that I'm that um, I'm supposedly dumber than them because I don't speak the language as well as them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it didn't help that in my first few years of school, which is like kindergarten, nursery, like even primary one, I went to an international school uh, in Malaysia. So when I, with my, because of my stepdad had a job there and then we moved back here and then I, had to integrate back into primary school here. Yes. And then it was really difficult because I had a very, very strong American accent. Mm-hmm. So imagine this face <laughs> <laughs> with a really thick American accent. You can imagine the amount of bullying I, <laughs> I faced. Mm. Um, now, I no longer have the accent. Obviously, I went through the whole Singapore school system. But yeah, it took a few years for me to... Actually, yeah, more than just a few years for me to really accept that I will be different. I'm just am. And I think the reality of it was even harder when, you know, you start like dating and then yeah. you, you find that intrinsically, like innately, you are obviously, or I am at least, attracted to the same race. Because, you know, it's just, I guess it's something that's, inherent like you are naturally attracted to your own race yeah it's 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 this familiarity yeah Yeah. but your mindset your perspective the way you see the world is no in no way (laughs) the same Mm. so i dated guys who obviously saw me again like how like my schoolmates saw me like being fake that i was putting up this uh, act of being a white girl Mm. and then they were like when are you gonna start speaking your language and like why are you so not Malay but yet they they I guess they only saw the beauty and worth of like the my face like I just look like one but I don't think like one I don't speak like one and then, so the the interest got, got lost really fast okay I, I mean I can I can relate somewhat because my dad is Malay mm-hmm. and my mom is Filipino so I didn't grow up in a you know 100% Malay household mm-hmm. that way I mean my mom uh, converted yeah. to Islam but yeah that that's the only similarity my parents had was their religion so but culturally it was very different so the same as you like 
being in school, being teased a lot, being bullied for being different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like there was one character that we related to the most in that show, which was Nadia. <laughs> because to the listeners who hasn't seen the show, who haven't seen the show, Nadia is Guyanese. Yeah. But she looks Indian. Mm-hmm. And she mentioned that every date that she's been on, yeah. she has to constantly explain. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm not really Indian. I'm, you know, I'm going down the heritage and yeah. Yeah, talking about her Guyanese. Ancestry, yeah. An- ancestry, yes, that's right. And it gets frustrating. Uh-huh. It does get frustrating. And it's very comforting when you come across someone who accepts that difference or is the same person. Yeah. Or grew up the same way. And that is the both of us. <laughs> so. Yeah, which is why I also expressed it yesterday. I'm like, I'm so grateful that I found you. <laughs> <laughs> and that we, I actually found someone who understands on my behalf, like how difficult it is just being, looking one way, but you're not a stereotype of that race, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah, we don't check a lot of boxes of the standard Malay person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I still get nervous if someone speaks full Malay to me. <laughs> so. Oh, that's true because I, I, I can, I can get pretty serious anxiety if someone starts speaking to me in full sentences in Malay really quickly, and it's like I cannot understand at least a good sixty percent of a conversation in Malay, but I'm still not at that point where I'm really confident that I will reply you correctly. Mm. And the peak peak anxiety is during family gatherings. Oh yeah, of course. and it's like relatives because that's the <laughs> that's obviously the the main language used, and you have multiple conversations going on in that language, and you're like, oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> mm. I hope I hear the right person say the right thing and I reply correctly and appropriately. Yeah. Yeah. Growing up, I usually take cues from the tone of their voice. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if it's uh, if it's just a passing comment, like they're just passing a joke, then I'll just laugh along with them. Oh, yeah, that's true. But if it's a question, I'll be like, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah it, gives, it gives them a chance to repeat it. So in case you missed it, or just yeah. to make sure that you heard it f- correctly the first time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I do exactly the same thing. But yeah, so it's it's pretty interesting in like today's world that you can't assume that like someone looks a certain way and they are born in that country and raised in the same environment as you would think of that particular race. Because they could have been like hopping from country to country since they were born because just it's just how their family lived. Yeah. So they have exactly. this very worldly view of everything of every culture very well put okay so I guess we're done with that recap yep and we shall move on to the main topic of this episode of relationship so it is mental health mm-hmm. go <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. Um, okay. So, mental health in relationships specifically. Yes. Yes. So, I'll just jump into our notes. So, Okay. So, what are the common misconceptions 
of the role of a partner supporting someone with a mental health issue. Oh, you want me to go first? Or? I could. Yeah, yeah, you can sure. go ahead. The misconception of the role of a partner supporting someone with a mental health issue is that the partner is the be-all and end-all. Mm-hmm. Like, depending, like, the person is depending on their partner for everything, especially happiness. Yeah. I don't know how much detail I want to go through because the next topic is about like our own experiences. Okay. Yeah. So for for me that's the main that's the main point from someone the experience of me being someone who is so who had a partner mm-hmm. that had a serious mental illness. Yeah. What about you? <laughs> I I was going to uh say the same thing, but to add on to that it would also be that you assume that your partner will always have empathy or sympathy for whatever dilemma or problem or issue you're facing because as much as you're in a relationship I'm sure you two by default should be individuals so every person even if you're in a relationship should have some sort of very personal struggle whether Mm. it's something that you're currently facing when you're in the relationship or something that you brought into the relationship the baggage yeah I can give one example. <laughs> okay, yes, please. Um, it could be as complex as, you know, your anxiety or your struggle with self-worth or a simple aspect that I, I face and I think Zahi knows this very well is like how I'm very particular about tidiness. Yes. Um, And it's not just like, oh, I just like things neat. It's that messy things or things that are not put back uh, in the proper places will give me a lot of anxiety. It's something I'm still trying to understand why I have that reaction when something is not put back into its rightful place. But at the same time, I also have a weird sense of pride in it mm-hmm. for being a neat person. I mean, I think it's a it's a good quality to have. But I'm trying to not like I'm still trying to not associate anxiety with mess. That's the part that I'm still struggling with. Okay. Like still trying to like, you know, just let go of little messes. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I I think we've had this conversation on and off throughout our relationship about like, like, you know, I sit, How you, dirty sit, I am. sit you down oh, and I'm like, you know, I really would appreciate it if you'd yeah. help out clean a bit more because it really, really does mess with my mind. It's like it's in a fog. I can't I can't think about anything else except cleaning whatever mess it is. Yeah. And it can be a problem and then I'll start to just like clean up every mess myself. But I guess in a relationship, you also don't want to default to that because that's not the point. The point right. is obviously to share chores for example yes yeah so that's one thing would you consider yourself a neat freak or just a neat person i think my ideal self would be a neat freak okay (laughs) (laughs) because i really do i i i you know that term uh that's very profoundly used like cleanliness is near to godliness yes i really do swear i really do believe in it and okay. it's it's not the godliness that is like you know that we uh, in a literal sense it's mm. more of like it clears your mind because you don't have to think about clutter 
in right. your physical space. You okay. have the mental capacity to think of other things because you're not always focused on like, I need, I need to remember to clean that. I need to remember to put that back. When I get back home, I need to remember to like do this, 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 this. True. So your mind is free. And I think that's the aspect of neatness that I really, really chase after. Does okay. that make sense? I mean, now it's because, you know, of course, we're living in a pandemic and both of us are working from home mm-hmm. and we're renting a place with two other adults. So our living space is greatly reduced to mm. our bedroom, yeah, living room and kitchen. Yeah. Well, well, our personal well, space is just the bedroom. Well, yeah, yeah. Everything else is shared. Every, everything else is shared, yeah. The listeners can imagine if I'm a messy person and <laughs> it's like con- concentrated areas. Mm-hmm. Of our personal space, so it's, yeah. It's amplified. It's amplified, yes. Yeah, especially, let's just put it this way, I'm the only woman in this household. Mm. (laughs) So you can imagine how much, like, I feel like I have to pick up other things, at least put back. I mean, even if it's not the best version of the house I want it to be, it's just, I need to do some things just to clear the little corner of my mind just so that I don't start thinking about it okay <laughs> you're just laughing at me now. no it's fine I mean like I, I understand I understand like yeah. cleanliness is very important to you it, it is and I slip up sometimes so yeah I do I do I know like... I know I, I recognize when you're trying and I really do appreciate it but like yeah just consistency thanks yeah I know yeah I, I've I've gone so far as to put reminders in my phone in my Google Calendar, like when to clean the bathroom, when to do the laundry. Yeah, and yeah, I it's... think when we get our own place, it's gonna be probably a lot easier because there's actually gonna be like we have our little magnetic magnetic calendar. Yeah, <laughs> that we can just cross out days and it'll always just be there on the fridge. So it'll become so routine that we won't even have to refer to it. Exactly. Because right now we are we don't have a fixed schedule for everyone also in the house when it comes to laundry. So we and cooking. Kind of, yeah. yeah, and cooking. Everyone cooks at different times. Everyone washes laundry on different days at different times. So it's like, yeah, it's all over the place. We do as and when we see the kitchen is free or when we feel the, the sun is out and the washing machine is free and there's enough space to hang. It's all these things. Yeah, it's like the wild west of chores. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Should we move on to the next yes. question? Okay. We may. Okay, uh, the next question is how recent is your wokeness to mental health? How recent is my wokeness? Disclaimer is that I am still learning to cope with my own issues. I will put it out there that I am currently seeing a therapist and this has nothing to do with a relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this was something that I did way before I met Zahir and this is actually my second round of therapy. I started therapy when I was around, I want to say 23, 24. Okay, so that was... About te- a good 10 years ago. 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah. And I did it for like a handful of years. And then I stopped because um, finances weren't the best. And I couldn't pay for my appointments and whatever mm. not. Um, and then I started again three years ago, maybe. Okay. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so two rounds of therapy. <clears throat> and the first time I went on to therapy, I went on antidepressants as well. And that was, I guess, a turning point for me because 
I just realized I stopped feeling. I just stopped feeling. That's it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Like, um, I would go through the days and, like, I would still like still see friends. And I think I, if I remember, yeah, I was with someone at that time as well. Mm-hmm. But there was just you know this emptiness inside of me that I see friends, I hang out, we laugh a little, but it's just a shell. Like I was literally a shell of myself, and I could mm. I could tell that. So I I was in quite a self harm kind of cycle where I would drink a lot. I would sleep all day, mm-hmm. but stay up all night. So I would sleep till really late and then I would go out, drink, meet our friends, have supper and then my bedtime is always around like four in the morning or something. Right. Yeah, and I would go out drinking like four or five times a week. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So it was, yeah, it was pretty bad. But, you know, uh, at that point I was like, something needs to give. Like, I can't keep doing this. And I know it's not good, and I know I'm not happy. Yeah, so I went to see a therapist because it feels very self-destructive. My inner, what? Well, how do I call it? My inner voice. If okay. You call it there, yeah. My inner voice just told me like, you can't keep doing this. Like, I know you think that like this is a really great way to soothe this, but it's only gonna be great for a year, maybe. But I can't keep doing it like year in, year out. At the end of the day, I still got to get a job and stuff. And this was actually when I was uh, finishing my last semester at uni. So that's why I was able to like sleep all day. Right. Because I only had, I think, one module that semester or something. Okay. Yeah. So you would say about 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, after about of like an abusive relationship prior to that. Okay. Uh, For me, I didn't take the topic of mental health seriously until my ex so my ex had depression Mm. and i don't know whether she was diagnosed for the other things but she was also like bipolar and schizophrenic and wait you mean that she was diagnosed for that as well or i can't remember whether she mentioned I can't remember whether she mentioned that she was diagnosed or not. I don't know. It, it's it's a blur. It was four years ago. Okay. Yeah. Because I've never met someone with a mental health struggle like that. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really... It, it's not the topic of discussion for me before that. Yeah. But when I got into, re- into a relationship with her, all this came to light. So uh, the earlier question of, you know, the misconceptions of the role of the partner. So it's it, it's based off my experience from that relationship. Okay. I can say for myself, I wasn't really in a good place as well, mentally, because like I was coming off a divorce mm-hmm. and then I got into that relationship. But as time went on, I mean, I was with her for two years. Mm-hmm. Certain things just keep consistently popping up and it's, it's, it's a cycle. And there were certain revelations that I would think about, which is like, is this her mental health speaking? Like, is this her depression speaking? Or is this her? Okay. It was a struggle for me as well. And I didn't know how to handle that properly. Yeah. So I thought when I was in that relationship, I will be her rock. Mm, okay. Yeah. So, of course, I looked past many red flags. 
<laughs> so, and on top of all that, uh, she wasn't going to therapy or taking any medication. So it was doubly hard. As in she refused to go? Or um, just... I don't know whether it was a money issue or... I remember vaguely she mentioned like she didn't like to take antidepressants because of the hormones and the side effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but besides that, I mean, she tried to go to therapy like during the later part of our relationship. Mm-hmm. But I felt like that was way too late. I don't know, two years in. Yeah. Okay. I've kind of grown I've kind of grown weary of of our ups and downs. Yeah. So, sorry if I'm going off a tangent here, but it's 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 also me realizing that sometimes I I can look past the mental health struggles, but I will also look at like how I said earlier, is this the mental struggle speaking? Is this yeah. the depression speaking? Or is it her personality? Or is it her personality? That's right. So, yeah, of course, near the end of our relationship, I started to have more thoughts of that. Like, okay, this isn't the depression speaking. She's just not a nice person. Right, okay. And unfortunately, so I had to end the relationship. Mm-hmm. So I, I wouldn't say that I broke up with her because of her mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Or oh, would you say just cumulative? E- yes, it's cumulative. I mean, I would have supported her if she got the right help because I, I I wasn't aware of the kind of help that she needed yeah, and the kind of help I should be providing as a partner. Mm. I, I wasn't aware of any of those things. Do you think you, you would have been a lot more patient if she sought help earlier on? Like, she helped herself, she was trying... Maybe. It would have been easier. But again, that's helping her struggles and not her personality, right? <laughs> yeah, something's got to give eventually. I mean, if it was for her s- mental struggles and me supporting her and all that. Yeah, if she had help earlier on, maybe it would have been easier. Mm-hmm. Probably. Was there ever a point that she invited you to go to therapy with her? Uh, To sit in with her? No. Okay. No. But I have I have accompanied her to therapy before. Yes. But oh, I, like I in never... the like bring her there or like to sit in with for a session. I know just to bring her there. Oh, okay. I, I didn't sit in. Yeah, because also like side note, I realized her therapist is the wife of a friend of mine, so it was like a conflict of interest. Right. <laughs> and she removed herself eventually. So wait, she willingly went to someone that she already knew, or. I don't really understand. I, I can't remember like how it came about like yeah, she's gonna go to therapy. But she did eventually. Okay, so she didn't know this person was a common friend I was, I was before she went for therapy. I I yeah, she didn't know. Oh right, okay. It's so, only when I was there and I was like Oh right. I okay, know now person. I understand. Yeah. Okay. But it's your common friend, not her common yes, friend. My common okay. friend. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, that's also a bit weird. Yeah. Do you have any other questions? <laughs> I think this topic of mental health in our relationship was really brought to light at the start of our relationship mm-hmm. because I think we were both really healing from pretty bad relationships. Right. Uh, and I think that was when we did the most reflective work. Yes, I, <laughs> I totally agree with you. Yes. Um, I, I, I recall very fondly there was a lot of crying <laughs> in the first, I think, two, three months of us being together. A lot of sharing, a lot of 
empathy talks. Oh, I I, I remember the the kind of process we went through. Okay, so yeah. we got together, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of sharing. So yeah. there's a lot of crying, and like you said, yeah. And then we moved on to us trying to work as a couple in a relationship. So it's us coming together with our shared experience and then being one. And that was mm. quite a struggle as well at first, being from what to- I remember. Being together, you mean? Oh. Yes, because you had your own experience that mm. like you were still being a little bit guarded and yeah, yeah being a little apprehensive of and especially with how I show my affection in a relationship, yeah. which is very different from what you've experienced. Mm-hmm. Like our love languages were different. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so that was the up and down that we experienced before. Yeah. So now it's it's smooth now. Yeah, of it's course. smooth now. Yeah. yeah, but in I think within at least the first three months, there was a lot of difficult conversations that we had, uh, and it wasn't so much about like figuring out who we are as a couple. I think it was simply working out who we are as individuals coming to this relationship with baggage. Yeah. And it's having the difficult conversations and forcing ourselves to have those difficult conversations instead of just, you know, being petty and fighting because it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, Because I think if we didn't have those difficult conversations, we would have never figured out like why I was so like you said so guarded or like why uh, I can't really put a finger on like a certain thing that triggered you or something mm-hmm. but like it like if we didn't have those talks about like the pains that we experienced in our past relationships we would have only discovered what really was like a trigger for us much further down the road right yeah, and, and I do appreciate having those conversations before because now because we're two years into our relationship, it's mm-hmm. it's it's a lot easier for us to talk about like painful memories, I, I guess, in, yeah. in a way. yeah. And we're not so afraid to share. Yeah, we're not afraid to share. Because I think we shared, like I, I feel like the first three months were really like a lot of oversharing on, on I guess in a, in a normal relationship setting when two people get together, you don't immediately share all your past fears and trauma and everything in the first three months you get together because that's pretty scary it but is i pretty feel scary. like we i mean firstly we're not young mm-hmm. <laughs> and we knew that we wanted the relationship to really really work so we were already on the same wavelength yeah and then we were like if we really want it to work and be successful and be healthy moving forward we just have to hash everything out we just had to force both ourselves to knock down our walls and just overshare. I'm glad that we both have the same topic of interest, if I would put it that way. Like, we both had, I wouldn't say issues as well, but like, okay, let's say just say issues of like mental health struggles, right? Yeah. Like, it's not like you had a mental health struggle. Well, I have problem with money. No, it, it's yeah. like, it's the same. Yeah. So it's like so overlaps. much easier to talk about. Yeah. yeah. But even if your struggle was very different from mine, the fact is that we went into these conversations with a lot of empathy and sympathy for each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we uh, were... That's the one important thing that made our uh, first three months quite successful is that we didn't judge each other for like having all these negative feelings oh yeah that's right yeah we just like okay just tell me everything that scares you tell me everything that you're afraid of 
what you don't want to happen in this relationship. Just lay it out on the table and then we'll see what we have to deal with, basically. Right. Like, don't hide anything because I'm not here to tell you that you're wrong or you're overreacting. It's like, I just want to know where you're coming from. Mm. Yeah, I think that's very refreshing at the time for me as well because yeah. I didn't have that in the past. So it's like, we both came from a place of non-judgment. Yeah, I think also because we both we came from relationships where we were very, very hurt. Like, extremely hurt. Extremely, yeah. And, and and there was no way that we would have built a very safe and healthy relationship if we didn't get over that hurt. Mm. Like, if we kept on, you know, kept it to ourselves and we both had that mindset, like, let's not, t- let's not talk about it. Let's just hope that we can bury these feelings. Yeah. It's it's gonna, you know, resurface along the way in a much more unhealthy manifestation. So we talked about it to let it go. Yeah, we talked we talked we had a lot of, we had a lot of dinners with wine, a lot of cr- like really a lot of crying actually. It's Yeah. It was <laughs> Yeah. But the thing is that we just didn't judge. We just like, you know what, if if it helps if you really just need to cry, if you just don't want to really mull about it, but you just want to say it. And then we'll say our piece and walk away. And then that's it. Even if that's the purpose of saying it, then so be it. Yeah. Because n- neither of us have ever said like, why are you still hung up about it? You know? Yeah. Like we've never said that to each other. Mm. Which which I do appreciate. Because like certain memories will just come up suddenly. Yeah. But even if, actually even now I realize that mm. when we are hung up about something the other person has done mm-hmm. to like make us upset or whatever. I find myself coming to you and just say, you know what, I'm still upset about whatever. Right. And you would know when I'm upset. Yeah. Like, and then you'll be like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I don't, I don't be like, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just be like, I'm still upset about, you know, such and such. Yeah. And it's not something that I've, I think I've done in past relationships. Usually I'll just be like, oh, that's nothing. I brought this up before, like our dynamic of um, resolve. Mm-hmm. I've likened it to sitcoms. Yeah. So like in sitcoms, when characters like get into conflicts and when they come together again to sort out their differences, like they really just talk it out. Mm. Like it could be any, it could be any sitcom, like Friends or... Everybody loves Raymond. Like, they really just sit down and talk about it. Yeah, they just they, get very candid. Yeah, very candid feelings. and very vulnerable. And and I've always wondered, like, why, why doesn't that really happen in real life? Mm-hmm. So we made it happen in real life. And it works. Oh, yeah, it works. But yeah. both people have to be really, really on the same page. You can't have one person who wants to do it and the other person's like 50-50. Mm. Of yeah. course. Both parties need to want to resolve yeah for sure yeah the sitcom resolve really works <laughs> yeah if you really want it to work it, yeah. it does work and i know it's like it's really scary it's very very scary being vulnerable even in front of someone you might have maybe been in a relationship for 10 years mm. but it's really the only way to get past any insecurity fear or pain and that's the one thing that i've also learned from therapy it's the worst kind of way, yeah, worst kind of way to overcome pain by um, repeatedly talking about it mm. and fleshing it out and 
mulling over it. But the more you talk about it, the less painful it will be. Yeah. But it is not, I know it's not fun. It really is not fun. And it can be tiring. It can sap the energy out of you. And it feels like you're having the same conversation over and over again. But it will get easier. And then you realize that you don't hold on. You don't have these grudges or mm. you don't have the association of resentment. If, it, right. if that's the feeling that's being attached to that one incident or moment, mm. it just gets, yeah, less. It, it affects you less and less. And in the same breath, we both agree that never going to bed angry is complete bullshit. Because <laughs> we have, I mean, we're human. We're only human. We do go to bed angry. And obviously, it's not a fun way to go to bed. But it's it's because it's difficult to talk to the other person in the heat of anger, right? Yeah, but it is a sucky feeling. Like the times, the times when we argue and we don't want to talk to each other and then you just go to bed. Uh, part of me still be still is like, "Hello, excuse me, we haven't talked about whatever made us upset. How can you go to sleep?" Yeah, <laughs> and then you are just happily snoring away, and I'm like still frustrated and angry, and I can't sleep. But from my perspective, is like if we are both like at our peak, mm-hmm. as in peak upset or angry or whatever, it's difficult to hear each other's point of view. Yeah, so I would rather come back in a more calm state. Because, like, eventually we would want to resolve things. Mm-hmm. Eventually. Yeah. Yeah, and I'd rather do it when I'm much more calmer. Like, hopefully when both of us are calmer. Because we both want to make it work. So, it will happen eventually. Is you can tell from our method of resolving things, we're not yellers. We don't scream at each other. Yeah, we're both very soft-spoken people anyway. <laughs> Actually, it's funny because I think we are more soft-spoken than normal when we are arguing. Yeah, because we, we tend to pull back. Because I think we just don't want to say anything that... Hurtful. Hurt, that, that hurts the other person because... And I'd like to believe it's because we have a lot of respect for each other. Even if we are like so, so angry, we still hold our tongue just so that we don't say something that we might regret. Yeah, I, I think that that's the most important part. Like We still respect each other. I mean, we still at the end of the day, we still have love for each other mm-hmm. and respect. So we know that it, it's only a smart thing to do to just like, just walk away for that moment. Mm. So yeah, it's pretty ironic. When we get angry, we're actually quieter than we are when we are on going on well with each other. Yeah. So it's either we are at normal inside voice mm-hmm. or not talking at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no loud volumes in this house. <laughs> How do you think our relationship is now in terms of day-to-day and how we manage in terms of mental health, of course? Mm-mm. Well, for me now, the thing that's causing me so much stress is not you, it's the jets that's flying over oh. the Northeast. Oh, yeah, yeah. We've already <laughs> signed petitions for it, so... Yeah, yeah, that that is definitely one of the causes for a lot of frustration. Uh, it doesn't help that our uh, future flat is still in the same area. Yeah, but we're gonna make our our study, office, yeah, our yeah. office soundproof. So uh, as soundproof as possible without making it ugly. That's what I yeah. said. <laughs> but besides that, um, though the one thing I I I do miss is actually our 
hour long talks over dinner. Because yeah. we used to do that a lot um, when we first uh, dated. Um, we'd have, we'd cook dinner and then, you know, we would actually sit across each other and talk and have conversations. Yeah. I feel like, obviously, it's just the, the whole situation that we're in, the fact that it's not our own home. Yeah. And the fact that we are working from home. <laughs> yeah. Um, We see each other all the time. So there's actually quite little that we can talk about. Yeah, it, re- it reminds me of an old uh, Chris Rock skit about being in long-term relationships. Right. Okay. He'll be like, do you remember the time? Yes, I remember the time. Of course, I was there. <laughs> yeah, it was, that. it was just that. But now it's more of like, the time that we come together is to watch something to- together. <laughs> like either it's YouTube or TikTok or Netflix, but it's not actually communicating with each other, which is something I think we have not done in months. True, true. Like, actually, these podcasts are the only time I feel like I really am talking again to you. I know, I know. It's 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 difficult right now, but we're moving in next month. I hope so. Yeah. If nothing gets delayed. But yeah, okay, I'm, I'm tearing. No. Oh, I know. I know it's... I know it's difficult. But I know it's like, it's just unfortunate situation where we're like literally 24-7 under the same roof we don't get the opportunity to like miss each other so we don't have um, what's going on with your day what's going on with my day what we have experienced outside and then come back home yeah we do get some things when you do go out for food tastings yeah but oh yeah it's it's a very <laughs> yeah it's a very yeah quick conversation yeah. yeah unless our work is very different and something that we, it's hard for us to understand. Yeah, maybe that's one topic that we could talk about. But in terms of day-to-day. <laughs> I did not. That came out of nowhere. I know. And that's why we should have these podcast episodes more often. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you only on the podcast. True, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I do hope that when we move into our place and it's. We have much more space to to have uh, to, these to grow as a couple. To grow to grow as a couple, yes. Yeah, and as individuals as well, because right now we're just like pretty much attached to the hip, <laughs> kind of. Um, Not that I'm saying that it's a bad thing, but I wouldn't say that we are. It's a, it's a very fi- physically yes we are, but not like I don't know mentally if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because physically, yeah, we are pretty much 24-7 inescapable that we're going to be working from home together in the same space. Yeah. But we still don't, you know, interact with each other all the time. You still have work, I still have work. Yeah. And then we have meals together. And because we are not leaving the house, there's nothing to really talk about. So then we have meals and then we watch something while we have meals. And then we go back to work. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I from from that point of view. Yeah. I am. Yeah. So physically, yes, we are joined in the hip because we are working in the same space, but mentally, we're not connected for the time being. Yeah. Yeah. So for me to counter that, or like, yeah, for the time being, like my way of making it better is to do more things together. Mm-hmm. So which is having meals together. Yes. <laughs> 
watching things together. So we have something to talk about. And doing things together like this podcast. Oh, for example. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And also trying to work out together as well. Yeah, which hasn't been very successful, but... Mm. <laughs> yeah, baby steps, I guess. I don't know whether that could be another episode. Fitness. We'll see how we can... Spin that around. Yeah, spin that to become a 45-minute episode at least. <laughs> I think we can. Fitness in, in terms of, you know, relationship. Yeah, I think I think that's possible. Well, it can be a body positivity episode. Okay. Yeah. I'll take note of that. Mm-hmm. And with that, we've come to the end of this episode. So if you like this episode, uh, well, we don't have socials yet. So, yeah. I mean, if you know us personally, then, then just tell us you like that. Yeah. Or you know podcast. what? You should just show it. Show your solidarity and support by following this podcast. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's all we ask. Just just a follow. Just click the follow button on Spotify. Yes, and tell at least one person who hears. So it's, it's pretty much almost everyone you know. Yeah. Unless you know some deaf people, but I won't go into that. <laughs> so, um. Yeah. But or just anyone who likes to... You know who's that? Oh, we always have that one friend who's always asking for relationship advice. You know that you could direct them over to our podcast. Oh yeah, that'll be great too. <laughs> like if we can answer questions from listeners. Well, that's that's a that those are future plans. Yeah, yeah. That we can give both our takes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. So this is Wani, and I'm Zahir, and this is Relationship. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.